Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 328. My guest on this episode of the back of the range is Joe Duraney from Belden, Mississippi. Joe capped off a successful 2023 with a win at the Devil's Elbow Invitational in the Dominican Republic last month. He played his collegiate golf at Mississippi State before a brief stint as a professional. Once he had his amateur status back, it didn't take him too long to get back into competition mode. He's racked up wins at some of the best mid-am tournaments in the country, as well as Canada. He's a two-time Canadian mid-amateur champion. He's collected wins at the Lupton, the Stalker Cup, and at Carlton Woods. We spoke a little bit about his start in the game, but we also focused on how he lays out his plan of attack for an upcoming year of tournaments with his coach VJ Trollio and with his family. Joe is a family man first and foremost, and an elite mid-amateur golfer second, so everything he does on the golf course has to fit into what he's doing at home. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Every single episode here at the Back of the Range can be found on the website, thebackoftherange.com. Still have a couple episodes left before the end of the year, so make sure you're following along in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Let's jump right in. Joe, welcome to the Back of the Range. How are you? Hello, Ben. I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm glad to finally make the podcast. Well, we've been uh, we've been ducking each other for years. Um, I, I share part of the blame. I know that you feel the exact same way, but finally uh, glad to get you on here so we can talk about uh, talk a little golf. It's uh, holiday season. Last time I saw you was back down in uh, Punta Cana, Dominican Republic, after you won the Devil's Elbow Invitational. So we'll talk about that. But yeah, holiday season, you're at home, Mississippi. Uh, what's what's going on in the Draney household this week? Give me an update. Well, right now we've got uh, my, my middle child is in the Nutcracker uh, coming up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, and so we're just, we're doing Nutcracker practice, decorating the, the 10 to 12 trees we have in the house, getting teacher gifts, uh, getting ready for parties, for school parties, for uh, neighborhood parties. Uh, just all the things holidays, so uh, it's it's a fun time and exciting and uh, very busy. What do you bring to the table, Joe, in uh, in regards of uh, elementary school dance recitals? What is your strength in that in that position? So I would say uh, mainly just a positive attitude and okay. a taxi driver. I understand. So are you telling your kids to like stay in the present and take it one dance movement at a time? Is that kind of what you do? Uh, pretty much. I'd say it's pretty sound advice. Okay. Uh, breathe. Don't get nervous. Just pretend everybody's in their underwear and then, uh, when you're on stage and go do your thing. Okay. All right. So you're, you're incorporating some of the uh, skills that you bring to the golf course to, uh, to Nutcracker week here at the, uh, Duraney household. <laughs> I would say <laughs> keep, try to keep it fun. It's about the only one. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. So you are, I guess, uh, are you, are you the Mr. Mom of mid-amateur golf? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I think there's, I think there's one or two more out there, but um, I know, I know, 
there's a senior that I'm aware of. Uh, but outside of that, you know, I know Bobby Leopold does a lot too. So I don't know if I can claim this, the singular title of Mr. Mom. Well, that's okay. That's what my job is. I can just give people titles. So we're uh, we're talking to the Mr. Mom of Mid Amateur Golf, Joe. Yeah, just as I said, we talked. Um, we saw each other down at the uh, Devil's Elbow Invitational. We picked up that win. We'll definitely talk about that. But yeah, it's around the holiday time, and um, you know, down in Mississippi. Talk to me, maybe just a little bit about what you're doing now in the off season. I know that, you, like you said, a lot of stuff going around with the kids. You got three kids at home. Um, you know, getting them through the holidays and all the fun stuff there. But as far as a golf respect, are you working on anything? Are you just completely shut down for, for a few weeks? Kind of where, uh, where are things standing right now? So I, my golf clubs are still in my travel bag. Okay. Um, they'll be shut. They'll be golf wise. It'll be shut down to the beginning of the year. Um, but I've, you know, kind of ramped up uh, the working out. And it's doing some swing speed training. Um, but there will be no golf until the beginning of the year. And then I'll go down and I'll see VJ. Uh, we'll talk about what my goals are for 2024. And then we'll kind of make a plan. And So uh, you mentioned your coach, VJ Trolio, down at Old Waverly, uh, down in West Point, Mississippi. I think that's about an hour south of you, if I, if I remember correctly. And, um, you know, his son, Cohen, playing at LSU runner-up in the U.S. Junior a couple of years ago. Kind of getting into this a little bit quicker than I thought, but but let's talk about this. You know, most mid-ams, maybe they are, you know, a five handicap, 10, 15, whatever it is, and they just, you know, maybe assume like, hey, I've been playing this long. This is my ceiling. This is what I do. I'm a 10 handicapper. I'm going to shoot in the low 80s consistently. Maybe I'll catch lightning and maybe shoot 75, but that's pretty much the extent of my golf game. Even at your elite level, talk to me about like what you just said. You're going to go down there, talk to VJ, set up a plan for next year. Uh, what does that process look like? Well, from my perspective, it's um, hey, what are what are our goals? And VJ helps me kind of dissect. You know, when I say win a term, he's like, all right, you know, well, how do you win a term? You know, what are you going to hit? We're going to drive it better. We're going to hit a certain percentage of fairways. You know, we're going to putt it better. What are we going to do here? So um, we'll kind of break that down. And I do a little bit of work ahead of time and then just show him. Um, and then, we, you know, we talk about shot shapes of the golf ball. Um, I'm a cutter. Um, so we'll make sure that for the year that it, my, we start off, make sure the ball is going left to right. Uh, then we'll work on some flighted wedges. Typically in the past, this is kind of what we do. And um and then we just kind of set a plan. You know, you can't work on 100 things at a time. So you get one or two things, especially in January when it's cold and you're a little unmotivated because uh, you don't have a tournament coming up for 10 weeks or so. And, yeah. Uh, so, you know, we get one or two things to start working on. In. Uh, a lot of the times we end up back to mobility stuff, uh, especially early in the year because uh, a lot of my golf swing is predicated off how my body's moving. Um, and so VJ's very attuned um, with the golf swing and how the body moves. And um, so we lay out a plan, a workout plan as well. And then a time allotted plan. Say, all right, you know, I can do, I can spend two hours this week practicing golf. So we'll break it down and say, all right, well, let's spend 20 minutes stretching, you know, 20 minutes putting and we'll break it down into, you know, scenarios that um, we can realistically achieve, you know, nobody, 
at a mid am level can say, Hey, I can spend 20 hours at work or sure. a week working at the game. Um, so we're just, uh, he and I have gotten very good at being setting realistic goals, uh, making sure we can attain them. And when we do attain them to adjust them appropriately. And VJ is probably one of the best in the world at, um, the mobility aspect of golf and, and your body in it. So you mentioned like getting a plan together. So I, I would imagine like, you know, we've talked, you got three kids, your, your, your wife's working. This is more, not just like your plan, but are you kind of consulting and keeping in mind what's going on with the kids and what's going on with your wife? And is this kind of like a family plan for your golf? Yeah, I would say last couple of years, it's definitely uh, become more of a family plan with the two of my kids playing travel soccer. Um, and my wife, is has a goal to run a half marathon in every state so we like to oh uh, knock gosh. out of, of you know two or three minimum states a year so uh plus family vacations and um so you yes you definitely have to family plan around it and so sarah and i will sit down and talk about what my goal is whether it be say hey i want to make the concession cup team and then we'll work backwards or i want to make the east west matches um, I want to, you know, maintain a top 400 ranking in the world so that I can be exempt for the mid-am and the four ball. Um, and so we'll have some some big goals and then we'll kind of work backwards from there um, to help fit in what tournaments I need to play, what tournaments I can play, uh, what's reasonable for me to be gone. Um, and then once I get all that, then I can kind of see VJ. And, uh, you know, VJ, I'd like to play well in these tournaments. And so we'll, we'll break it down even further, um, into easy steps to get done so that we can, um, help hopefully reach some of those goals. But yes, it's definitely a family. Um, it has to be a family thought out plan now. Well, and it's interesting. She's talking about, uh, doing these half marathons. I know that, I mean, you guys met, if I remember right, you guys met in Mississippi state, you played golf and she ran cross country. So are you kind of, I mean, I would think you could coordinate some tournaments with states. She hasn't run a half marathon and that might help you with your golf scheduling. So yes, um, a lot, a lot of these, she likes to run, uh, at national parks and, uh, but in February, the Gasparilla half marathon actually ends, or is on the same weekend this year. So she's going to come down it. I'm actually going to run it with her on Sunday and the gas ends on Saturday. Um, so, you know, sometimes they do work out. That one works out. We're excited for that one. And um, Charleston, the Azalea might work out next year. So there's a few that we can make happen. Of all the people that you've played the Gasparilla with, who do you think are or is less likely to ever even come close to running a half marathon with you the day after the Gasparilla. I have about 17 guys in mind right <laughs> about now. Actually, actually, no, there, there's one guy that there's no way you couldn't get him there with a court order. Well, I mean, our favorite, one of our favorites, maybe not our, our one of our favorites is uh tug. I don't I, know. That's exactly who I was thinking of. Know. There's no way. But, uh, I think Tug could make it. I think we'd get him there and he'd make it. I'd give him a, give him a shot of something halfway through and uh, he could power through, no doubt. If not, he'd jump on a scooter. I was just going to see, it's like you're, it's like you're reading my mind, dude. There's no way <laughs> he would just have some sort of electric scooter or like, yeah, there's no chance. But yeah, I just, I just got a picture of Tug Maud and Chip Broke last night um, having a beer. So I'm like, yep, yeah. that's on brand. So. The uh, don't underestimate those two. I believe they could get it done. Oh my 
gosh. Hashtag send bail money. Uh, those two together. It's dangerous. Um, talk to me about your start in the game. I know you grew up in Georgia, but talk to me kind of about uh, getting started and then kind of moving on to Mississippi State. Um, yeah, I grew up in Augusta, Georgia for until I was in sixth grade, essentially. I uh, didn't play a lick of golf. Only played soccer. Um, <laughs> of course, Augusta, look, but I don't play golf. Okay. Yeah, never. You know, we rented out our house to Ted Schultz one year, and after round one, he was leading the Masters, and I had no clue who he was. And um, so, we, you know, I just knew these guys came in, and we got to go to Disney World. So, <laughs> um, yeah, moved to Statesboro, Georgia in, in sixth grade. Um and again, played soccer, but then my soccer buddies played golf in the other season. And uh, I guess eventually after I got done with baseball and basketball, I just said, let's go play golf. And um, one day my dad told me, he said, uh, you either need to stop playing or get better because I'm tired of paying for all these little Snickers bars. Uh-huh. Um, and so I just decided to start practicing a little bit more. And uh, through some very good PGA professionals, I got better and a lot of, a lot of practice and I got better pretty quickly. And coach Martin, uh, Mississippi state called and, um, and I was supposed to kind of go to Georgia Southern and think it, you know, I hadn't seen much of the world, uh, outside of Georgia or much of the U S so I wanted to kind of get away from home. And, um, so that's kind of my story of Mississippi state. And uh, got to be one of the highlights of your career was being named to the SEC Community Service Team in 2004. I mean, that's that's got to be one of the biggest accomplishments of your college <laughs> golf career, wouldn't you say? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Yes. Okay. So anytime you can help the community, I mean, you should. That's, I mean, of all the, the I mean, top 10 in scoring average and uh, tournaments played, but really when it comes right down to it, do you even remember what you did to win that award? Pretty sure we helped out at the food pantry, and then we read we read a lot to kids at the uh, elementary school. Okay, and, so. and and that obviously has helped you with your own kids. I mean, see, it just it, it helps with. Well, you do you you still read though, right, Joe? Uh, on occasion, okay. not not often. Okay. Do you read any other books unless they're yardage books, or is that about it? Mm, no, you know, there's there's some golf books I'll read. Okay, all right. So. Well, you go to Mississippi State, then as as most college players that play D one do, they give it a shot and play pro. And I, you know, I, I'm such a sucker for anyone that has any sort of stories from the Hooters tour. Um, you had a little three year stint where you played pro before getting your status back in uh, 2011. But please, God, tell me you have something you can just make me laugh from the Hooters tour. There's got to be something. <laughs> Well, I, I got a lot of fond memories. I, I don't know. Um, They're all appropriate I'm, here. Don't worry. It's fine. I don't know if my, many of them are appropriate, but I just remember traveling around with um, the group of guys and, you know, we ended up playing a lot at places with casinos and um, man, I just remember being at casinos till two or three in the morning and then teeing off at, you know, eight, uh, watching guys leave with more than what the, during check was we were playing for that week uh and chips especially out in oklahoma um you know so but there's there's plenty of good memories i don't know if many stories but uh, i've still got many friends and the guys the talent level out there um it's just astronomical like i'm sure it is today but i knew those guys now and i see where there quite a few of them on tour or 
uh, on the corn ferry. So um, it was a fun time in my life. When when you're playing with with I know you play mainly mid am tournaments, but you you dip down and play a couple uh, cu- couple other events where you're playing with the kids, or even if you're practicing at Old Waverly. I mean, I'm sure you got plenty of games with guys around the club. But it, I mean, is it can you even convey that message to them when they're thinking about doing the same thing you did, turning pro? It's kind of hard to even explain, like just how good they are out there. Is it? It is. I mean, you know, there's a there's a few guys in college that are that good and, and deserve to be on the tour and will be on the tour, you know, but it's a, it's a hard fact to learn that the majority of you are about average for professional golfers. Right. Uh, there's just a litany of them and it depends on how much work you want to put in. And honestly, sometimes it's a little bit of luck, you know, uh, if you're playing good for three weeks, you get on your corn ferry, you know, I mean, if you get through Q school, that's a big deal. And, um, there's just a lot of guys, I man. There's a lot of guys you've never heard of that played at division two schools, division, smaller division one schools that uh, are just very, very good at golf. And um, you're not always exposed to those guys until you, again, you go try to do it for a living. And how do you, I mean, with your experience playing professionally, did you feel that it was your skill set or did you kind of feel that, did you feel it was your skill set that was lacking or did you just kind of feel like I, I, I'm not consistent enough or, or, you know, what was it that ultimately you were just like, yeah, this just isn't for me. So, you know, I was actually getting better. Um, I was kind of moving appropriately probably through the professional ranks, but um, my wife was going through medical school and, uh, you know, I was always trying to find a way back home um, to kind of be with her and just be with the family. And, um, I was never out of money, but I never had a lot of money either. Sure. Um, so you're always kind of juggling that as, as uh, you play mini tour stuff. And uh, I just got to where I did not uh, necessarily see a path forward um, that I was happy at the age of 40 or 45. I felt like I could make the tour. Uh, I just was never sure that I could actually keep my card, which meant I was going to have to be chasing you know, the corn ferry slash mini tours. And back then, you know, that was not a good life. I know they've increased the purses on the corn ferry. And uh, so, so those guys can actually make a living, but um, people don't understand if, you know, if you're 42 and you've got your PGA tour card and you lose it, you go back down to corn ferry and you're not making that much money. No, it's a tough life. You're, you're not being with your family much. And uh, it's just a really you know, it can be a really rewarding life financially, but it's a very difficult life. And um, so I didn't necessarily love the travel aspect of, of it. I wanted to kind of settle down. Um, and at the same time, uh, I was trying, you know, I was in a room with two other guys, um, three other guys, at, at whatever, depends on where we were and how expensive the rooms were. And, um, and they were such good friends that I'm not sure I spent more time hanging out with them than I was practicing and, and trying to develop and get better. Um, and so I, I probably needed a few more mentors to say, Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of not want to not get comfortable out here. You need to make sure you're uncomfortable so that you can make it to the next level and you don't get complacent out here. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. You have to, you got to enjoy it while you're there, but know that in the back of your mind, like I need to get the hell up and out of here as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you're uh, you kind of get back into playing the mid am circuit and you know playing in a lot of really prestigious events. You know, Stocker Cup, Lupton, Carlton Woods, all the all the heavy hitter tournaments. Um, you know, I've asked this question to mid ams many times, but I I never get tired of getting the answer. Um, and, and hearing the different versions of the answer, you know, you have all this success, but how do you, you know, how do you learn how to win or how do you compete when you may not have your best stuff all the time? You know, cause mid amps, like we just talked about, you got, you got the family obligations, you got the kids, you got, you know, you got a lot of stuff going on, but you know, when the tournament comes, you got to be ready to go and Hey, you may not have that a game, you may have a B game. How do you kind of get the most out of your game at these tournaments and um, and stay competitive. You know, there, there, those are two different questions. How do you win, and how do you get the most out of your game? Or, or, or different. How do you get the most out of your game? Is you know they now uh, with Scott Fawcett's method. You know, everybody knows how to do it. You know, um, so you should learn. We didn't learn that growing up, right? Um, we were always told laying up was better. Well, apparently not. You're supposed to go for it. Yeah. So, um, but you know, you just got to play smart. You know, you don't have to aim at every pin. I mean. You know, Tiger's the best in the world, especially at that. Uh, and when you, you know, it's, you know, when you're not swinging good and then you're being a dumbass and trying to hit a seven iron to a pin that's eight feet off the water on the left, it's like, maybe that's not a, maybe that's not a winning formula. Uh, maybe I just go ahead and, you know, aim at the bunker and try to pull it in the middle of the green. I don't know, but let's go. just not do, you know, let's just not aim and uh, hit it in the damn water. So, um, you know, a lot of that's just uh, these golf courses. You can manage a golf course. Um, you know, you don't if you don't have your best game, you're probably not going to shoot 65, but you certainly don't have to shoot 78. So, you know, and that doesn't golf such a such a great sport that the next day you might have it. You might come out in the range and start just flushing it, especially mid ams, because, you know, typically that is our third day in a row of playing. Uh, with the practice round and then your first round. And, you know, at that point, some of the rust is gone. So if you can manage that first round, keep yourself somewhat, you know, engaged in the tournament, not too far out of whatever, uh, whatever the number is, somebody shot, you know, get get more aggressive as the week gets on. Uh, but just manage it. If you're not swinging good, don't take aggressive lines, you know, just um, – and you don't, you know, don't maybe don't try to hammer that ten footer downhill in. Um, you know, day one maybe see if it'll go over the lip, dribbling. Sure. So, um, how? But yeah, I mean, how do you? Um, what are some of the things you do early on, maybe during practice rounds, to determine exactly where you're at? Like, you know, that's great. Like, okay, I, I know not to go for this, but but is it just? trying to hit a certain type of shot on the range during practice rounds and say, okay, I just, I don't have that three quarter shot or I just don't have this right now. How do you kind of assess that? Yeah. So some, a lot of that for me is um, how my body's feeling and the reality of like Gasparilla, how how much, how much wedge practice have I hit done before in January and February when I know we have a bunch of wedges coming up and it's like, all right, maybe I'm just trying to hit, maybe I don't necessarily, I'm not playing well enough to necessarily flight this wedge shot. Maybe I just need to try to hit it 75 yards. And when I'm swinging a little bit better, be like, Hey, I'm going to flight this little draw back there um, or hit a little low cut. Maybe early in the year, it's like, you know, I'm just trying to hit it 75 yards, hit it in the middle of the face, hit it 75 yards. But yeah, your practice rounds and, and your rain sessions um, should be able to tell you that for me, it's a lot about how, 
physically? How's my back doing? And um, that determines a lot how my golf swing is. All right. So you've had tremendous success, as I've talked about winning. You've won Stalker Cup. You've won Carlton Woods, Canadian Mid-Am back-to-back in 18 and 19. So, yeah, that, that second question that I, that I threw in there, how do you learn how to win? For me, um, you know, I've, I've had to lose a lot to learn how to win. Um, but, I, you know, the um, – and so, so that's been really helpful. And taking the loss and learning from it, you, know, you can be disappointed from it. But if you don't look back and say, all right, what did I do wrong? What, was I honest about the shot I hit? Um, you know, did I hit the bad shot because of technique or because of nerves in the situation? Um, and, and either one, there's no wrong answer. There's no, hey, I hit a bad shot because I was nervous. Well, everybody gets nervous. Sure. And that's okay. I'm, we've all missed plenty of putts, and I've chunked them and shanked them and topped them. Uh, so at this point, there's nothing I can really do um, that I haven't done. And so, uh, and that's winning and losing. And so once you kind of get to the fact of, all right, well, all that's kind of been done already. So if I shank this in the water, well, I've already done that. So it's not really that embarrassing. Um, you know, it might be disappointing, but I'm not really that embarrassed. I mean, golf's hard, right? So, um, so essentially you just have to break it down to realize this is just a golf shot. I don't care what you think it, it, it is, what that shot's value is. It's not, it's just a golf shot. It's just 118 yards. Yeah. If you hold it, whatever, you might go to the masters, but it still doesn't change what the actual reality is. And that's just, it's just a golf shot. So that, that's been big um, and learning to play with the lead has uh, been difficult, but you know, even this year, the Lupton, I've won the Lupton twice uh, this year. I think I had a three or four shot lead and I finished by three putters. I went bogey and then I went double. Then I went bogey um, and ended up losing in a playoff. And it's like, man, that's done. Um, and yeah, while I'm upset, it's like, all right, what, you know, I can go back through and say, all right, what happened? What, what was my decision-making? Was I thinking too fast? Um, and then a couple of weeks later, I get to go up to Canada and I have a, maybe a bad hole where it gets a little tighter. And then I can kind of lean back on that and make two birdies in a row and kind of shut the door on the tournament. Um, so, you know, you need to make sure you're learning from your mistakes um, and you need to make sure that you don't overvalue the golf shot that you're hitting at the time. Is the, uh, I know everyone, it's kind of like a traveling circus, just like it is on tour, but a lot of the mid-ams you're seeing all, all the different places. I know, you know, you've played a lot of, uh, uh, you've played, you've played us four ball with Garrett rank, right? Yes. Yeah. So you, you played, you know, like us four ball, your us four ball partners, Garrett rank. I know that, you know, when I see you, I know I'm going to probably see six or seven other guys at the exact same tournament that I know. Are these things that you guys talk about? Are you sharing best practices with mid-ams or is this something that you're kind of working on privately with your coach or your, your uh, you know, with VJ or with, with anyone else? Are these things that you kind of, like I said, do you share best practices with the other mid-ams? Yes, but people usually will kind of text me uh, and ask me certain questions. And um, then I've got a few people I'll reach out to if I'm having, you know, whether it be issues winning or uh, I've been fortunate to win. Um, some different tournaments. Um, and so I get, I get that question a lot is like, how do you, you know, when you do play well, how do you win? And um, so, yes, there's definitely best practices. Um, I think, I think there's little circles um, of best practices. You might have one or two guys that you share what you're working on or what you're doing to try to get better. I don't think it's like an open forum. Um, 
and, and the reality is what works for me may not work for you. Sure. Um, you know, that's why golf's such a beautiful game. Yeah. You mentioned embarrassing moments. It's so funny that I, you know, when I'm, for some reason I have a lot of pictures of you like shaking your head or looking up to the sky or you're, you're just like your head in your hands, just like you'd think by looking at the pictures, like, like you're like, you just made an eight or something. Um, but that's not the case. But can you, you mentioned embarrassing moments. Do you remember your most embarrassing moment on the golf course? There's been saddening moments. There's been embarrassing moments. Uh, you know, I say sad. Uh, yeah, I mean more humorous ones. I don't mean like I yeah. you know made nine on the last hole or anything like that. I mean that's not uh, a, that's that's more tragic than embarrassing. We're we're trying to keep it light here, Joe. That's kind of what we do here. Let's see. Well, down one of the times I won Tim Aquana, um, I believe it was a seventeenth hole. Is par three. I got to go back and through it. Um, seventeen. It's either eight or seventeen. Anyways, um, shank the shank it in the woods on his par three. And I mean, it couldn't have been a nine iron. So I go up there, I take a drop from wherever, and, um, hit it on the green, make bogey and move on about my day and end up winning the tournament. Uh, well, during the, during the presentation, uh, the championship trophy presentation, Steve Melnick says, well, I've done a lot of commentary. Um, and I've never seen a winner shank it on a par three. That's so easy. Um, so Way to bounce back, Joe. Um, <laughs> and then he brought me up there and gave me the trophy. So that you know, um, that was a that was a it definitely was a testament to a, a positive attitude, but uh, it was definitely also embarrassing. So, sure. um, but other than that, it's all you know. We've all done the old. Hey, I, I need an extra towel, guys. Didn't ah, um, uh, you're talking about shit in your pants, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. We uh we played a tournament down in at Squire Creek when I was in college at uh, I believe that's Louisiana Tech. Um and it was they had a great buffet the night before. Well something wasn't quite cooked and so every team had the shits. Oh man. <laughs> they ran out of toilet paper like seventeen times in that damn bathroom. Oh god. So there was, there's been a lot of good memories and embarrassing, them. you know, it's, it's hard to embarrass me, but because uh, it's just, I don't know whether it's a good or bad moment. It's just a moment. It's just a matter of how you take it. The, I guess the, the holy trinity of mid-amateur golf, uh, you know, segueing seamlessly into talking about revered uh, places after talking about shit in your pants at a Louisiana Tech tournament. So <laughs> only the best podcasters can do stuff like that. But no, the holy trinity is uh, obviously the the Coleman at Seminole, the Crump Cup at uh, Pine Valley, and the Thomas at LACC. You have experience at those tournaments. I mean, you're just a – I mean – you're a guy that, you know, a, a reinstated am from Mississippi and you find yourself, you know, getting invites to these, these tournaments. Do you remember maybe your first time playing in the Coleman or your first time playing in the Crump? I mean, not to discount your ability, but still from where you came from as someone that, you know, got into the game late, um, and just you're like, how the hell did I get here? Was there ever that thought of like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm actually playing here at Seminole. I'm playing here at Pine Valley. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when I got reinstated, I didn't play for probably three or four years, and um, there happened to be a tournament near my uh, the Tennessee State Am that had a golf course in Memphis that I liked, and so I played in it and uh, played fine. Then I called my buddy Kristovich. And said, "Hey, man, that was that was enjoyable. I forgot how much I enjoyed playing." And 
Um, and so he was helpful in getting me in a few and I played well, um, and got a few more invites, but, um, you know, because my late start and my, my dad played a little golf, but not a ton, you know, I didn't really know necessarily about these places. Um, and so as I kind of got into the mid-am scene and, and started asking and started playing well and receiving a few more invites, I got to do some research and, um, about these revered places. And, you know, I just remember the first time going up to the Coleman or pulling in, uh, just being nervous and, and, you know, you, you drive in, you just see this pink, big pink building. Yep. Um, and, and you just try not to, you know, I don't want to mess, I don't want to mess yep. this up. Uh-huh. I'm not sure what I'm doing here, but they invited me. So, um, it, so it's just, it's a special place. It's a special feeling, um, just to be included in that group of people. And the first time, um, at Seminole, I, I think, I, I don't know, I shot 80, 80, 80 or something pretty high because the whole time I just was enjoying the place, which you should. Um, but I definitely was not playing golf. And, um, I think every year I go back, I, I, I enjoy the place, but I'm like, all right, now it's time to, you know, it's playing golf and, right. uh, and, and Pine Valley, I still have a hard time not looking around and just, um, and I lose focus a lot, um, just because it's, you know, internally it's such a special place. Um, and it's just golf and, um, it's hard to put into words if you're, if you really love the game, um, how special a place it is and how it makes you feel. Well, for me, unfortunately, it kind of like, you know, my give a shit meter runs out on my competition. So I gotta, um, kind of stir myself back in the game and um, try to play a little bit better. So, so you're saying basically sometimes it's hard for you to just focus and treat it like a regular tournament just because of all just the the surroundings of being there in the gates. Yeah, absolutely. It's like last year was my first year at uh, at the L- at Thomas out at LACC, or I guess two years ago because last year was the Open. Um, and and again, it was just like man, you're in the middle of LA, you're in Beverly Hills, and you just kind of want to look around and take it all in because uh, you never know when tomorrow's gonna be your last day and um so it's it, it is definitely like hey man let's focus on, remember it's a golf shot it's not sure. that hard a golf shot it's just a golf shot but um you know at the same time you know you look over and there's lionel richie's uh backyard and it's um you know manicured with 10 million dollars worth of flowers and uh, <laughs> it's, it's just a cool place man so you you want to look around and um i'm always fighting that uh, or trying to find that balance of uh, enjoying where I'm at, spending quality time with all the folks, but making sure I'm putting in the prep and um, and the time on the golf course um, to play well. What's the What's the one still on your What's the one tournament still on your list that you wanna you wanna add to your resume and your history of, of winning? I mean, obviously the U.S. Mid Am is. I think that's kind of on its own little island. It's such a gauntlet to move through that. You made it as a, you know, you're a runner-up in 2019, so you know what it takes to get to that final match. But, you know, separate from that, which is the one that you'd like to, you know, have your name on the trophy and and perhaps have someone present you that trophy and congratulate you on a shank and just, or no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, what, what's the one you want to have your name on? Um... I would say the the crump, yeah, the, the crump. The uh, the realist. The reality is, I'm better at stroke play. Um, so, you know, I, I'll take I'll take any any win. It doesn't matter if it's the Lupton, Tim Aquan, Carlton Woods, 
uh, stalker, whatever. Um, I'll take them all, and they're all special to me, and I don't value one over the other because uh, they all have – they all come with, um, you know, special memories for me. But uh, I would say the crump, you know, when I, when I show up at PV, uh, I have a little bit different feeling than I go um, just about everywhere else. It's um, – I hold the honors golf course in about the same esteem. Yeah. Just because it's, it reminds me a little bit where I grew up with a lot of pines and all that. And I just love the honors as well. So the honors and, and Pine Valley are two places I go. I just feel a little different. Um, and, and it's not to say they're more special than the others, but uh, I would like to have my name on, on the crump. Cup. Now the, the crump, um, I know this, that everyone basically stays on property. So it's kind of like golf camp at the best golf course, you know, arguably in the world. And there's, I mean, this is every heavy hitter in the mid-am and senior-am game. I mean, this is really an exclusive club every single year. I know this is a real tough one, but, you know, there's there's dinners and there's, you know, I'm imagining there's, you know, times to grab a cocktail or two. Who are some of the people that you make sure that during that week you go over and spend some time with? I mean, I know you see them a lot at other places, but... You know, if I'm, if you, maybe not your, your dream foursome, uh, over a couple beers, but give me a couple of guys that would make up a special foursome just to kind of kill some time with. Gosh, there's a lot of guys there. It just depends on what you want. You know, if you want, you know, a little less, a little less drinking, um, <laughs> a little more serious thought, then you'll go with a certain crew. If you want to have a little more fun, you'll, you'll throw tug in there. You'll throw Jamie Miller in there. Um, Nursky's, uh, he, he's a little quieter right off the get go, but he's a lot of fun. Yes, he is. Uh, Matt Matari is a blast. And, um, you know, Garrett rank, he's, he's been there the last couple of years and he loves to roll some dice. Oh, um, man. so we'll, we'll definitely get a pig game. Uh, Jeff Scoey's always fun. So there's, there's a lot of good, and there's actually some guys up there that, you know, I don't see, uh, all the time. And, um, but, yeah, I mean Jamie Miller. I, I, I always enjoy my time with Jamie Miller and, and Tug, and uh, I like Matari and I like Nursky, and uh, I enjoy rolling some dice and uh, drinking a few beers, and um, and then you know there's there's few better historians than uh, McDermott. Yeah, uh, Mike's you know Mike's so he knows the game, and actually Chris is a is a very nice uh, Mickelson. Um, between him and McDermott, they know just a lot about the history um, of PV and um, history of the game. And so, you know, it's a little different conversation, but it's a very, very good one. Um, and then you got guys like, you know, just good old boys um, that I love seeing just because they've been friends for a long time. Um, you know, like Burt Meyer and, and uh, Christovich and yeah. Alan Ko- Koshat. But, uh, and then you got your, chameleons like geronimo who can be in any of those groups um who's just you know doesn't matter if you're you know he's ivy league educated uh, he's a blast so he can uh maneuver through all those crowds yep now it's a special the the mid-amp circuit's very special i know that uh you know a lot of what you guys are known for is what you do on the golf course but um at the end of the day you're just guys getting together and shooting the shit and having a couple drinks and having some fun it's just that you're doing it at different golf courses than uh, maybe some other people are. That's exactly what it is. It's just, a, you know, you end up doing, you do see a lot of the same people. And for me, it's nice because I get to travel, 
you know, where some guys might not go out to LA that far from the East coast or um, go to the stalker. So I'll get to see a different group of guys out there. You know, I always enjoy getting to see Jason Anthony. Um, who I may not get to see unless at the mid am cause he's out in California. And, um, and so he may not come over to the East coast a bunch or, um, so it's just fun. Man. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the devil's elbow before I let you go. Uh, I, I know that, um, you know, this tournament, again, just in its infancy, just this is the third edition this year. Um, you know, the winner of that tournament gets an exemption to the Corrales Championship. So every amateur that's signing up for this, every mid-am that's signing up for this tournament, uh, yeah, you want to test yourself against the best. You want to enjoy yourself in the Dominican. I know you brought your wife, and that's kind of what everyone else did as well. Uh, some brought their wives and girlfriends, which I thought was kind of questionable. But anyway, um, what... When you go down there, you know what the prize is. I want to win this to get that PGA Tour event. I think I remember you saying that you really wanted to have your kids be able to watch you play a PGA Tour event. So, again, how do you remain focused when there is, I mean, does second place mean anything to you at that kind of a tournament? Or is it just, I want to get this this prize that gets me into a PGA Tour event? So, when the, you know, when the, such a disparity in first place and second place. Yeah. Um, and the reality is there's a disparity in first place and second place. There's always a big one. You just don't know it. And you try to tell yourself there's not, but you know, your name gets on a trophy and on a list when you're in first, when you're in second, it doesn't. Um, and they can't take the trophy or your name off that list. So uh, unless you're Reggie Bush, I think. So, <laughs> Look at you um, throwing in a little, I love it. Go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, so you want to go, I'm probably in a little different situation just because I played in two Canadians uh, opens. And then I've also qualified for the uh, Sanderson farms down here in Mississippi, which, uh, I foregoed, um, playing, but so I, I, you know, there will never be a, a tour event that I play that's better than, uh, the Canadian open with the exception of a major. Um, so I went down there to support Geronimo and Eric, uh, and Dominican Republic's a beautiful, beautiful place. The golf course was really, really good. Um, obviously the, uh, cake, the prize at the end was great. And we look forward to going back down there in April. Um, so I, you know, I just wanted to win the tournament. I love saying, you know, selfishly, I love kind of running, rattling off and maybe it's to myself, uh, but the tournaments that I've won and I'm proud of, you know, the ones that have won, unfortunately there's been just as many as I've come in second, but you know, so for some of the other guys, I'm sure as they get closer and uh, as the tournament progresses, uh, the finishes should be really, really fun down there. Um, just to know that, Hey, I can start on the PGA tour and, but I gotta, I gotta play these last three holes, the even par and those last three holes are, are, can be very difficult with the wind. And um, so it's, it's a, I actually thought it was a very special place. Um, what an opportunity for a mid-am to get, um, you know, a dream star on the tour and um, what a cool, cool tournament they started down there. Yeah, no, it's going to be, uh, I'm really excited to see where that, what that grows into. I think we're just going to get more and more high level mid-ams heading down there. Uh, Cause like you said, it's, a, it's paradise and there's, there's a big, big prize at the end of it. So, um, well, Joe, I'm going to get you out of here on one final one. You've been great with your time. I know you got a lot of stuff going on uh, at the house. You got the kids and then the wife and the holidays and everything's going. Um, but gosh, I cannot, I cannot leave this out 
most guys in their, I mean, 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever it is, most guys are trying to figure out how do I get out of the house more often to play golf while simultaneously not pissing off my wife. So clearly you have figured it out. You play a high level, uh, you're, you play at a high level, you play a lot of tournaments. And from what I can tell after meeting your wife in the Dominican, she seems to be pretty happy with you, uh, at least, you know, a majority of the time, I would imagine. So what's your secret? Do you do you sneak out at times, turn the location services thing off on your phone? How do you, how do, you do it, Joe? You're, and remember that you're not just giving this answer to me, you're giving it to the world uh, of, of men trying to play more golf. So I'm clearing <laughs> the stage. It's a big responsibility. I know it's a lot. How do you do it? How do you do it, Joe? Uh, Oh man, uh, Mary. Well, I, I would say go into go into your marriage uh, with a clear understanding that you love the game, and that's going to be your addiction for life. Okay. Uh, and then the other, the second thing I would say is, hey, you know, find a marriage counselor that accepts bribes. <laughs> okay. Because everybody needs a good marriage counselor. Marriage counselor that you're paying off to. So this is like during during the sessions. Well, you know, Joe seems happier when he's. You need to let him. I mean, really, it, come on, be serious for a minute. Come on. <laughs> they're very they're very good at it, bud. Um, no, man, you just you know you gotta. Everybody needs their, their thing. Uh, I think as mothers and wives, as as we get busier, sometimes we don't have our thing, and so like my wife, I. We sat down a couple of years ago and said, hey, you need to, I want you to enjoy something like I do golf. Um, and that's for her, that's running. I said, all right, well, let's make time for that. You know, you got to make, you prioritize your time, right? And so, um, but if if you're going to be a tournament golfer um, and you're a dad and you're a husband, you don't need to be a social golfer. And you need to kind of look at yourself as a man and say, how much time am I spending home? But I need to, you know, I have to, you have to choose one or the other. You can't be yeah. both. Yeah. You just, are, are you going to be a shitty dad and a shitty husband, which none of us really want to be. So you, you got to either say, I'm going to be a tournament golfer and probably not to play as many wolf games as I used to. And, mm-hmm. uh, but that, that's how I manage it. I play very little social golf outside of a few charity outings. Um, I'm at a lot, a lot of the games and, uh, sneak out, get some practice in, and then uh, most of my golf is at tournaments. That makes sense. Uh, go enjoy the holidays. Uh, I know you got a lot going on, and uh, I think I'll see you uh, next year at the Gasparilla Invitational, and we'll definitely catch up before you go down to the Dominican to uh, play in the Corrales. But, uh, Joe, glad we got to finally do this. Enjoy the holidays, and I appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me, Ben. And there you have it. Special thanks to Joe Duraney for joining me here at the back of the range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Every single episode is available at thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the back of the range.